What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes. We still got daily content coming out over there, both on the podcast side for myself, and then we have written pieces coming out every single day as well. So make sure you guys are checking us out. If you're not on Twitter, then go to SportsEthos.com and you guys can get access to all that same great stuff. Now we're kicking off the week, and I do want to remind you guys once again, if you haven't done so, leave us a nice five-star rating and review. Really appreciate that as we head into football season. There's more competition in terms of the podcasting landscape, and I'd really appreciate all your support here as the baseball season winds down. I do want to remind you, though, that I will go every single day of the offseason. Maybe we'll take the odd day off here and there. Uh, but this podcast goes all year round. We don't take uh, the offseason off like a lot of people do. A lot of people have already started switching into football mode, but we're still here with you uh, pumping out every single day content. So make sure you guys are following along both on the podcast side and then on the written side, of course, on Twitter and at Sports Ethos. Now we are going to talk about a little bit of news today, mostly regarding some of the rookies, the prospects that were called up recently. But I do want to start off with something else uh, a little bit different, not even really necessarily fantasy related, but it's a report that came out today, uh, yeah, early this morning, from an interview that uh, the Orioles owner, John Angelo, said where he pretty much went out and said that the Angels are not going to be able to keep their stars in the long run. Pretty much saying what what the uh, Cleveland at the time Indians organization said a few years ago uh, when they pretty much knew they weren't going to get Lindor back. I don't know how they even ended up getting Jose Ramirez. He signed a team-friendly deal, which I guess is how he's back. But it's that same kind of uh, model of not wanting to spend a lot of money. He said that they're going to need to drastically raise prices at the ballpark if they're going to keep the likes of Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Grayson Rodriguez. And there's a, a slew of others. We've seen how deep their system is. It's probably the deepest in all of baseball. you got the number one prospect in all of baseball in Jackson Holiday down there. I think some lists may differ a little bit, but he's pretty much the consensus number one. you got all this young talent that's come up recently, Kowser and Westberg. I believe uh, Kowser's been sent back down. And then you got guys like Connor Norby, and there's Mayo, and there's uh, Keston Hierstad. There's just such a stacked system with so much talent. And they're already coming out now and saying that they're not going to be able to pay them. I don't really understand this. They're spending right now $70 million, 28th highest payroll in baseball, or excuse me, 28th, uh, yeah, 28th highest payroll, uh, the third lowest payroll in all of baseball this season. And they're still showing a lack of willingness to actually spend and compete for the long run. They have an opportunity right now to do what the Braves have done over the last couple of seasons, which is extend their young talent before they have fully reached their heights at a discounted rate. They give them a long-term deal, seven, six six years, five years, eight years, 10 years. And it's not the highest average annual value, but these young players see $120 million, $150 million, whatever, whatever it is, a huge sum of money, and they jump at it. And it ends up being very team-friendly a lot of the time if you're able to lock in those young studs in those great team-friendly contracts. We've seen it with Atlanta. It's been a great business model for them. They look like they're going to be this competitive, this excellent, uh, you know, about a 600 winning percentage or higher for the next decade because they've just set themselves up for success. The Orioles have this same opportunity 
and they're not going to do it because they want to clutch the the purse strings and not spend money on their young talent. It boggles the mind, and it boggles the mind even further if you're thinking, okay, he has this mindset now in the middle of August. This is for sure how he felt a month ago. At that point, if you know you're not going to be able to re-sign them, why not trade some of these prospects? Like I said a million times, if you even casually listen to my content on the podcast side, I haven't gone on as much about it on Twitter, but if you even listen to the show a couple times a week or whatever, you probably heard me, especially, again, if you listen to our trade deadline live coverage that I did, that the Orioles should have gone after Shohei Otani. Maybe he just really wasn't available, but I I find it hard to believe that if the Orioles threw three, four, or five of these prospects at the Angels, they would have said no to a package of that nature. And if you're not going to re-sign them anyway, why not try and compete now? You don't know how long you're going to be able to keep these players. You don't know how often, first of all, you're going to be able to be this competitive in the American League East. You've had a really nice year. You've had some good stretches from pitchers, Kyle Bradish, uh, Tyler Wells earlier on in the season. You've gotten, it's been luck. You know, there has been some luck involved in it. A team this young doing this well, they're kind of, you know, outperforming how they should be considering the stage of development where they are. They should be a team that's kind of just a fringy kind of playoff team, maybe like a 90 win team. They're going to be like an upper 90s kind of win team this year, close to it. And I think they really missed an opportunity if this is their mindset of not wanting to extend these players, not wanting to give them any money. Why not trade them now? Why not go after it now? It's not going to be every single year you see the Orioles necessarily at the top of this division. I don't know how long the Yankees are going to be down and out for, but it's hard to believe it's going to be for that long. Eventually, they're going to get sick and tired of the bullshit of these last few seasons. They've gone about 15 years now without winning a title. Eventually, they're going to just go out and spend a ton of money, and they're going to build up a new team. Like, it's the Yankees. It's what they are eventually going to do. Maybe they won't be under Cashman, but we'll eventually see them come back. The Red Sox are in a decent stage. They have a decent young system, and so do the Yankees, really. The Yankees have a bunch of top 100 prospects. So do the Red Sox. The Jays are kind of hard to really figure out, but overall, fairly bright future. And then the Rays are always going to be competitive. So I don't know how many chances the Orioles are going to have where they're this good in a season, where they're currently right now, uh, let me just see. I think they're 27 games above, or they're 30 games right now above 500. 30 games. They have a 621 winning percentage. They are the second best team in baseball behind the Braves, by three games behind the Braves. They needed to do something if this is their mindset. I think that they needed to, or not needed to, but they need to slowly start locking these players up. Go extend Gunnar Henderson tomorrow. Go give Grayson Rodriguez a deal tomorrow. Start doing these things now. Adley Rutschman, same thing. All these young guys, maybe not all of them, but you know, slowly start the process of locking them up for the next decade. And you know, maybe they don't all pan out, but the way that Adley Rutschman has started his career, he looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. Behind the plate, he looks like he is going to be the best catcher in baseball. He's already in the conversation at whatever he is, 23 years old. I'm not actually, I can't even remember how old Rutschman is. He's 20, sorry, he's actually 25 years old. But it doesn't even matter at that point. Lock him up. Gunnar Henderson, same thing. Lock him up. He's just getting better and better. At least start these conversations with these players as opposed to right now going out there and saying you're not going to be able to keep them. It's ludicrous. You don't spend any money. They're going to try and play the small market card. Baltimore's not a small market. Baltimore is a pretty big market. They're not, not to say that they're like a New York or a Los Angeles or a Boston, whatever, but they're you know probably like a middle-of-the-pack kind of market. I've heard it compared to like San Diego. And those, you know, San Diego went out and spent a, a shit ton of money. They went, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars now on free agents. The least the Orioles can do for their fan base and for their own competitiveness as a team 
is to at least give it an honest try. And it doesn't seem like on either front they're doing that. We've seen a lot of nonsense from this owner and this team. As of late, we saw them suspend their broadcaster a couple weeks ago because he just mentioned that they struggled um, you know, against the Rays over the last couple of seasons, which anybody with a pair of eyeballs could see. Uh, a lot of teams in the American League, and the American League in general have struggled against the Rays, pointing that out, and they suspended their broadcaster. We've just seen a lot of, a lot of stupid, uh, stupidity from this ownership team in the front office, and, uh, you know, they have a situation right now where they could set themselves up for a dynasty. That's what the talent level is. They could also throw that away. We could also see them completely squander all this young talent that they have, uh, you know, got into their system over these last five years or so. It's been a remarkable job of putting all this talent together, but they have a chance to really squander it if they, you know, go down this road that Angelos is talking about. So we're going to move on from that, but I just wanted to get that off my chest. Saw that this morning, and I was thinking, this is just one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. I don't really understand it, but we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about some of these call-ups, and we're going to start with Mason Wynn, who's actually called up and played uh, a few games now. He's played four games at the Major League level, or is it three? No, he's played three games, excuse me. Uh, The fourth will be tonight. He's three for his first 11. He has been batting ninth every single time out, but he's playing every day. He's called up and played every single day, which we can't say for you know every prospect. Again, not at the Orioles uh, in that direction. But Mason Wynn, he does have some interest to me. He's essentially, you can look at him like a second leadoff hitter in that Cardinals lineup hitting ninth, where he'll have guys turning around. I get the Tommy Edmonds of the world, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. If he gets on base, there's a decent chance of him scoring runs. Now, the lineup context is good. If you look at what he's done this year, 18 homers, 17 steals, and a 288 batting average. In AAA, 16% K rate is good. 8% walk rate, almost a 9% walk rate is really good. He is the guy out of these couple of pickups we're going to talk about today that I think I would prioritize. It's him and there's one other guy that you could also make an argument for, but I think it's Mason Wynn. Considering the lineup context, and I know uh, we've talked about this a lot on this show, that the Cardinals lineup is underrated. I know the team as a whole has stunk this year real bad, but they are top 10 in hits per game, average, OBP, slugging, OPS, home runs. They are uh, a very, and they're top five in a couple of those categories. They're the fourth best on base percentage in baseball, fifth in OPS. They're fifth in home runs. I think that they are a lot better than a lot of people give them credit for. It's been the pitching that has sucked this year. The pitching has been awful. They've given up the most home runs in Major League Baseball. You know, the strikeouts are bad. Their ERA as a team is 461. They've been horrendous, the pitching staff, but the offense has been good. Mason Wynn getting every single day at bats in there. I think that he could have some value. Now, I don't know that we're talking necessarily your standard 12-team ESPN or Yahoo kind of league. I think he's more for a deeper roto-type roster league where you have those middle infield, corner infield, five outfields kind of setups, more so if you are talking like an NFBC-style 12-teamer. 15-teamers for sure. He should absolutely be rostered in all 15-team leagues. 12s, I just can't see it for like... I don't know, if you're in a league where you just have one shortstop spot, maybe you could sneak him into a utility. But I tend to find in those in those shallower formats, there are guys, you know, especially the multi-position guys, tend to be more valuable. He could sneak in and be, uh, you know, if you're talking about like a utility kind of spot is what I mean, the multi-position guys. He could end up sneaking in and being like a back-end, uh, you know, head-to-head lineup kind of 12-team guy, whether you're talking a one shortstop setup, no middle infield spots then I could maybe see it. I think he is more skewed towards those Roto slash uh, 15 team leagues. And I'm I'm pretty bullish on him, but I just don't know that he's going to be able to carry 
uh, the value that we're necessarily hoping for uh, in a t- in a 12 team or 10 teamer. I wouldn't bother. Um, 12 teamer, I, th- I think it's really close. Even in those one shortstop kind of leagues, I think it's close. I wouldn't be rushing to do it, but if you really need a shortstop, I think there are worse options. Especially like I said in that lineup, he can function as kind of a second leadoff hitter, and I do like it. He's pretty quick. You know, he's gonna steal some bases for you. He'll hit some home runs. He scored 99 runs in 105 games in AAA, so he can get around the bases. He will come in to score. Uh, the rest of the season projections are not amazing for him. They're projecting about 15 runs, 13 RBIs. It's not bad, really, uh, when you consider how you know how much time is left in the season, and the projections are calling for about three homers and four steals. So, it's not terrible. You know, it, it's uh, like I said, it's kind of a borderline twelve-team situation for me uh, with Mason Wynn. But let's talk about the next guy, Novi Marte. Novi Marte made his major league debut as a pinch runner, stole a base um, on the weekend against Toronto, and then he actually made his way into the lineup yesterday. Uh, he batted seventh. Now. I kind of worry, and he went one for four, by the way. He did have his first uh, major league hit yesterday. I worry a little bit about if they're going to give him regular playing time, and this also kind of applies to everybody we're going to talk about, including Mason Wynn. There is going to be a point where they don't want to exhaust their eligibility, their rookie eligibility, and we may start to see these guys uh, sitting a little bit more. I believe it's 130 or 150 total at-bats. I think it's 130 or 135, something like that until you exhaust the rookie eligibility. They're not going to do that. The Cardinals are not going to do that for the season with win. So, you know, you're going to get that production over the next 100 or so at-bats, which is you're going to see them play most of the time. You know, you're talking 130 at-bats for a guy in the nine hole. He's probably going to get three, let's call it four uh, per game. That's 32 games. That's pretty much the rest of the season. You know, you're going to see him sit the odd time here and there. Uh, but it is something that you have to factor in. Uh, Novi Marte, I don't know that he's going to be playing every single day. Will he slot in <clears throat> Excuse me, as a regular every single day third baseman for them? I'm not 100% sure that he is going to be that guy uh, that will be playing every single day. Um, I think Jonathan India, he, there was a report that he was upset by his initial diagnosis in his foot, uh, the plantar fasciitis. I always mispronounce that, fasciitis, fasciitis. Um, so I, I think that he is going to be back at some point based on what I've seen. Um, he's still being held in a lot of leagues regardless, but I think that Jonathan India coming back is going to just make it a lot harder for Marte. You might only get, you know, a couple of weeks out of him. I don't mind him as like a short term option potentially, but again, I don't know that there's going to be a hell of a lot of value, uh, for Noel V. Marte this season i think going into next year he'll be very interesting i think depending on how they decide to do things with him he'll probably break camp and be a starting everyday third baseman but i'm I'm really not sure how that's going to shake out they have too many pieces in that infield i'm not sure who's going to get moved somebody's going to get moved maybe it's jonathan india maybe it's somebody else maybe they trade one of their young pieces probably not Marte. maybe who knows or mclean or somebody for a top of the rotation starter i'm not really sure something's going to have to give um, but I think wherever Marte is next season, he'll be very interesting, specifically if he is the guy, and I think he'll probably stay in Cincinnati, but specifically if he stays here uh, in that ballpark, I think that we could see uh, some pretty fun stat lines out of him. We've seen a lot this year from these young Reds players. Marte's a guy who can give you a pretty decent batting average, good mix of power and speed. Uh, you know, he was pretty solid uh, in AAA this season, but I think that wasn't even as high as we can see him. You know, it was 39 games, uh, three homers, eight steals, and a 280 batting average with a 12% walk rate, uh, 18% K rate. I think we can see even higher highs from him 
uh, for sure. He is capable of that. We've seen it throughout the course of the minor league tenure with him uh, in Seattle and in Cincinnati as well. I just don't know if we're going to see enough playing time for him this season for him to really be that valuable of a fantasy asset. I don't mind adding him speculatively, again, in those kind of deeper 12-slash-15-team leagues. For sure, in the 15, give it a try. But I think we have to keep our expectations kind of in check uh, for these young guys getting called up. The last guy, uh, position player anyway, I want to talk about because there's a pitcher that got called up we're going to mention as well, is Nolan, I believe it's Shanuel. I think it's Shanuel. He is the young gentleman who was literally just drafted a couple months ago by the Angels. Gets called up. He played his first game uh, over the weekend on Friday, and he was leading off. He was literally leading off there uh, against Tampa, and I believe he's led off now for all three of the games. They had a doubleheader yesterday, and yeah, I believe he was leading off now for all three of his first major league games, uh, batting in front of Shohei Otani. It's kind of funny. I uh, actually didn't see how the order shook out, and I'm sure it was a little bit different there uh, if you're looking at the double header, They did the double headers because there was risk of tornado slash earthquake, hurricane, kind of horrible weather going on in um, California over and the West Coast over the last uh, couple days. But yeah, he, he goes and he bats right ahead of Shohei Otani. Welcome to the show. He's actually not done too badly. He's three for his first 12. He has scored four runs. I could be more interested in him. He was the guy when I mentioned Mason Wynn. Like, I think there's kind of I, – I like Wynn and Shanuel and then Marte below them. Uh, if he's going to lead off ahead of Shohei Otani, getting on base, you know, he's going to be scored quite a bit the way that Otani has swung the bat this year. I, I think that he is probably worth uh, that same kind of league-level pickup. If you're talking deeper 12s where you have those corner, middle infield slots, more outfielders, he's a guy that I would be more interested in there. Uh, he projects he's going to have a pretty high walk rate. Now, I'm not sure about what we can see in general for him just because there haven't been that many at-bats in the minor leagues. We're talking, you know, he had 12 plate appearances in the complex league, nine in single A, and then 75 in double A, uh, all coming with very strong walk rates, high batting averages. I like him because of the situation he's in where he's going to be leading off for the Angels, especially if that sticks. Again, we have to watch the plate appearance slash at-bats, but we're getting to the point now where <clears throat> excuse me, where it's going to be pretty much um, not all the games they're going to play just to get under that at-bat threshold. There might be, you know, maybe five, seven games that where they're going to have to sit down the line uh, to stay under that at-bat threshold to remain the rookie eligibility. But I think you're going to see that likely from a lot of players rested down the stretch anyway. Daily changes leagues, even weekly changes leagues, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so it's not something I'd really worry about too much. It is something to keep in the back of your mind, especially as you see those players approaching 100 at-bats, 115 at-bats, whatever. If you do see that, then you can maybe get ahead of the curve and drop them, let somebody else make the mistake of picking them up for those remaining whatever at-bats. We have to see situationally if that even is going to apply, but it could happen. If a guy like Shanuel gets to 120 at-bats or whatever, I'm not, I can't remember exactly what the threshold is. I think it's 130. Let's say they get close to it and you know the end is kind of approaching. Maybe people in your league don't. Uh, you might be able to take advantage of that. But I think for the time being, uh, he is pretty attractive. I think that he is a little bit more attractive even than Mason Wynn, depending on the position uh, that you need this time of year. Everything is very position dependent. If you just lost an outfielder, then obviously an outfielder is going to be much more valuable to you. Even if, you know, let's say a second baseman is available, that's a little bit better. If you don't need the second baseman, then the outfielder is obviously going to be higher in your uh, particular rankings. But Shanwell, as long as he's leading off ahead of Shohei Otani, I think there is some value there, uh, specifically in an OBP kind of format, very high walk rate that we've seen from him 
so far at all levels. You know, he even in his first three games in the bigs, he's already drawn a couple of walks. Uh, you know, very early sample size with 14% uh, walk rate, only a 7% K rate. Again, only a couple games, but uh, early returns are very good from him so far. Uh, so he is somebody that is a little bit interesting as well. Only 2% rostered uh, in Yahoo leagues right now. Briefly want to talk about Kyle Harrison. Uh, he is going to be starting tomorrow against the Phillies. I'm not sure that I'm that interested. He's just been called up. Kyle Harrison, he's a top prospect for the Giants. I just don't know if I'm that interested against the Phillies. The Phillies lineup, you know, they've had their struggles this year, but there's still a lot of boom in that team. Trey Turner's kind of been a lot better recently. Uh, you know, you still can't write off the guys like you know Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, Bryce and Stott's been great. It's a it's Castellanos. It's a it's a pretty deep lineup for a guy to make his debut against. Uh, it is going to be, I believe, they are in Philadelphia. Let me just double check that. Uh, I think it will be in Philadelphia, though. Uh, yeah, they are at Citizens Bank Park tomorrow. Harrison has thrown 65 innings in uh, AAA this season, 4.66 ERA, 5.10 xFIP. Not the most impressive uh, so far in AAA. At the lower levels of the minor leagues, he was really good. This is the first time we've really seen him struggle that much. I just don't know why, really. Maybe they just need a starter. I'm not so tuned in on what's going on with the Giants. Maybe they just need a starter. But he only 35% strikeout rate is really good in AAA, but a 16% walk rate. Walks have always been a problem for him. Throw it all stops in the minor leagues. You're usually looking at above 10%, actually usually above 11% uh, walk rate, even though he has very good strikeout rates, which can offset that. Uh, but you're going to have to expect that that strikeout rate is going to go down going up to the big league level. It's pretty normal to see that. And the walk rate probably at the very least is going to stay the same, if not maybe tick in the upward direction. Now, 16 is a little bit high, but even if it goes down, what, to 12, 13, it's not ideal. I don't think it's a great streaming spot against a pretty tricky lineup uh, that does have some tough right-handed hitters in it. I'm not sure that I'm going to be using uh, Kyle Harrison. He is a left-handed pitcher, which is why I say that. Now, I think you know for the future, he's somebody that could potentially be very good if he does get those walks under control. I just don't know what the point is of calling him up now. He's still very young, uh, just turned 22 last week. So I think it might be kind of foolish for them to be doing this. I don't know if they think that they can maybe still compete and get into the playoffs. Let me just take a double check here. Um, where are they right now? They're actually still in a playoff spot by a half a game. I can't really see them maintaining that. Maybe they do. They got the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Marlins all hot on their tail. Even the Padres and the Mets only six and seven games back, respectively. So have to see um, what's going to happen there. Maybe they think that he can give them a push down the stretch to get into the playoffs. I just don't know that he's going to really be the guy to do it, considering what he's done so far this year. Now, sometimes you see this where a guy struggles in the minors because they're working on a specific thing, specifically with a pitcher. They get called up, and then you know they are using their full arsenal again, or they're doing you know more of what they were doing before the team started tinkering with things, and then they get back good as new. It's possible, but I, you know, I wouldn't be adding him and and using him against Philadelphia. If you do want to stream him, understandable, you might need pitching this time of year. I would add him and sit him most likely for that first start. There is upside, there is potential uh, down the, even for the course of this season if he is able to just string string a couple of good starts together. Because that's all it really comes down to at this time of year. You take a look at the advanced metrics a lot, but. You're only looking at maybe a five 
to eight start sample size, depending on what pitch you're going to be talking about from now to the end of the season. Anything can happen. You can see a horrible pitcher go on a hot streak, and sometimes you might see that. You know, Dallas Keuchel almost threw a freaking perfect game yesterday, uh, takes it into the seventh inning. I'm not saying that that's going to happen regularly. It's probably never going to happen again for him. Uh, he's really at the end now. I'm surprised he's even made a comeback at this point. But sometimes something like that or random other occurrences can spark a little streak in somebody, and you'll see a very good run uh, just for three, four, five starts, and that's kind of all you need at this point of the season. So not saying to add Dallas Keuchel. Not saying that you know Kyle Harrison is going to be good or bad necessarily, but sometimes you, you can throw away the metrics a little bit in small sample sizes. Not to say you don't look at them, but to say that they might not matter as much. It's, they certainly don't when you're just talking about a very small sample size, like a month, which is pretty much what we got left now. If you're in a head-to-head league, it probably ends about a week before the season ends. I believe the last day of the regular season is October 1st this year. Well, there's a lot of leagues that only have four or five weeks left, so you might only need four or five good starts. So that's just something to think about. Uh, you might see a horrible stretch from a you know a Gosman or a Strider or somebody like that. I hope you don't because I think that they're both deserving of the, the Cy Young in their respective leagues. But you might see a horrible run from one of them and a great run from, you know, Johan Oviedo or just or you know whoever. Uh, and they that might be the difference in your league. So it does happen. Uh, things like that do happen. But uh, let's talk about the last thing I want to give you guys before we head off. And it's just a little appreciation for what Julio Rodriguez has been doing recently. Um, Holy shit is kind of the only way you can really describe it. There was a stretch, and I did tweet this out a couple days ago with Julio Rodriguez. There was a stretch of just 20 at-bats where he had 16 hits, two of them for home runs. He drove an eight, scored four times himself and he also stole five bases. This was in a 20-at-bat stretch. If you look back over the last week, the last two weeks, and the last month, respectively, according to Yahoo, he's the number one player over each of those time frames. Just over the last week, he's 21 for his last 37. Seven runs scored, 12 ribbies, two dingers, and six stolen bases. 21 for 37 is 568 batting average. If you look back over the last month, 48 for his last 126. That's a 381 clip. 23 runs and 29 RBIs, 52 runs plus RBIs for one month. Absolutely ridiculous. Eight home runs and 11 stolen bases in that time frame. He's literally carrying the Mariners to the playoffs. There are some people who think that the Mariners have a chance of winning the American League West. It's definitely a possibility. I looked the other day, and I looked again today, and I was kind of thinking, well, I, I don't know. I don't really see it happening. They're only three back of the division. They are only three back right now. Houston's two and a half back. They're literally just a half game back of Houston. Houston's 70 and 55. The Mariners are 69 and 55. So despite being a really disappointing team for quite a long stretch of the season, the Mariners have really turned it around. I think they're on 113 uh, win pace since the All-Star break or since the start of July. Maybe one of those two benchmarks I saw a tweet today. I forget who it was by, but that's how good they've been. They have been like you know early season Rays. I saw another person compare them to the Rays for the first you know forty or so games of the season where they were like thirty three and ten. That's how good the Mariners have been right now, and it's all because of Julio. It all goes back. Maybe not. Okay, I can't give him all the credit, but a huge chunk of that credit is Julio turning it around. When I initially, this was maybe two months ago, did a twenty twenty four look ahead first round rankings. I didn't have Julio in the first round. I had him as fourth. I had a number fourteen. In my rankings, those rankings are obviously going to have to be changed. It's because I made them a couple months ago. More is kind of a fun exercise. 
and he was 14th. Now he's absolutely uh, going into next season at the very worst, the top six or seven pick. And it probably you're going to see him go number two in some leagues uh, just behind uh, Otani or Acuna, depending on what your settings are. If it's like a daily change ESPN league, Otani's always number one in a lot of leagues. It's going to be uh, Acuna. So it'll probably be those two, one or two flip-flopping. But I could see like in a Yahoo uh, setting where Otani's two different players, it kind of you know he will be a little bit farther down the board for both of them, uh, but you know, you know Tony Batter will go pretty high. But I could see uh, being Acuna one, and then Julio Rodriguez number two in some drafts next season. We're gonna see it. He's been that good. He is right now the number nine ranked player over the course of the entire season, and he's already surpassed his totals in a couple of metrics from last year. He's got seventy nine RBIs last year. He only had seventy five. He's got thirty three steals last year. Only twenty five. Uh, he's within eight runs and seven homers of last year, and the batting average is within six points. He's raised the batting average about 25 points over the last week. Uh, ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Just wanted to give him a shout-out. Uh, but that'll do it for us today, guys. I appreciate everybody kicking off their week with us. Like I said off the top, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB. We post daily content over there, podcasts, articles, different polls, and uh, all kinds of different fantasy baseball content. Uh, like I said off the top, again, I really appreciate if you guys could hit us with a rating slash review. Uh, it would go a long way into helping us grow the show a little bit and keep viewership up while we enter into the offseason uh, but until tomorrow, guys, we'll be back with another mailbag show. Uh, Tuesday has been our mailbags for quite a while now. We're going to do that. If you guys want to go and check it out, like I said on Twitter, I'll share it out from both my account and the Ethos account, uh, and you guys can drop your questions in there, and we will get to them. But until tomorrow, guys, relax, enjoy some baseball. We'll see you again uh, tomorrow. So cheers. <laughs> Take care.